Well, hey, gang, my name is Blake Holmes. I'm real excited to be with you uh, here tonight. I get to help be a part of the equipping ministry here at Watermark. I know that several of you I've had the opportunity to meet. It's fun to see some familiar faces and several that uh, are new faces, but uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, You know, this is uh, mid-March, and everybody knows what that means, right? March Madness. Now, come on, people. All right. Just because you're in church doesn't mean we don't play March Madness here. All right. What do you love about March Madness? Some, some, say, some say, hey, nothing. It drives me crazy. I understand that. All right. Anybody? What do you love about March Madness? Why is it such an event? Why do people get so excited about March Madness and all the brackets and all that stuff? It's hard to predict. Love that. You never know what's going to happen. Here's the, here's the thing I love about March Madness. I love the fact, I love the upsets. Don't you cheer for the upsets, the underdog when they, when they upset, you know, some big name school? That's exciting. But what I really love about March Madness are those, those special moments, right? You know, they actually make a collage of this at the very end, put it to music, and you're like, wow, right? You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and the thing that I love, they always focus on, is they focus on those shots, those last minute shots. All the pressure in the world is on this young kid. I mean, you realize these guys are in college, okay? Sometimes we cheer for them like these are uh, professionals. No, these are, these are college students playing basketball, the nation's watching, the, their, the weight and responsibility of their school, right, is on their shoulders, and it may be a free throw and the crowd's going crazy and that kid walks up there, boom, 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 nothing but net. Boom, 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 nothing but net. Wins the game. I love that moment. I love it when they have to have a three-point shot. Time's expired, you know, and they're going back and they're looking at it. Sorry, OU fans. I know this is a little tough right here. All right, I, I was cheering for you. But, but the ball... The ball leaves his hands and the buzzer goes off and it goes in. You're like, yes, that's awesome. And I'm going to ask you something. How, and you, you might think about this, how in the world does that happen? I mean, have you ever thought, what would it be like to sit on that free throw line with all those people yelling at you and have the ability just to sink that shot? See, that doesn't come by accident. That didn't come by accident. And the guy who gets the ball and is entrusted with the last second shot and releases it right before the buzzer goes off and he sinks it and all of a sudden he's the hero, that doesn't come by accident. How does that happen? It comes by a lot of hard work. It comes by a lot of hard work. And a great basketball player doesn't just walk out on the floor and hope for the best. He trains, he works hard. And a great marriage and a great relationship with God and a great business or a great whatever it is, fill in the blank, doesn't happen by accident. It comes through hard work. And so I want to ask you tonight, how do you think people grow spiritually? What I mean is, In the same way, how does somebody become a great basketball player? Have you ever thought about that in the spiritual context? Have you ever thought, man, how does that guy seem to lead his family in such a way that other people go, man, 
That's insightful. How, how does that wife respond to her husband in such a way that she honors him, blesses him, cherishes him, and makes marriage look attractive? attractive. It comes by hard work. And the same thing is true spiritually. It doesn't happen by accident, but I don't think we ever stop and think like, if I want to be a good basketball player, everybody knows that. This is what you do. You go shoot free throws, you run laps, you go to lift weights, you practice, da, 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 da. But if I say to you, well, how does somebody grow spiritually? How do they become closer to the Lord? It's probably not a question a lot of us think of and maybe don't know the answer to. And I want to quickly just share with you, I think one way in which we grow spiritually, okay, in our understanding of who God is and how to relate to him is through people. And that's why we're gathered like this. This is why uh, this ministry is built around the opportunity to engage with others and learn from others and and share with others. Another way in which God allows us to grow is, is through trials and through challenges, James 1 tells us that. He says, hey, consider it all joy when you encounter trials. Yes, even trials in your marriage. God can use to push you in a more close and intimate relationship with him. And you can learn more about God, even through your trials. But there's this other way in which God wants us to grow in our pursuit and understanding of who he is, is through spiritual disciplines. It's through spiritual disciplines. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, this is the moment where most of us, if you're like me, I hear the word discipline and I quickly think of this. (laughs) To me, it's like, eat your vegetables. I know it's good for me, but I really don't want to eat my vegetables. And that, that's kind of, maybe you're like me. You hear the word discipline, and you're like, oh man, here we go. You're just going to talk to me about something that I know I'm supposed to do, that I'm not very consistent at, I really don't want to do. Eat my vegetables, take my vitamins. And I hope I can change that tonight in the short amount of time I have with you. I want to answer three questions real quickly. Okay, I want to answer the question, what are the disciplines? Why should we practice them? And how should we practice them? I'm going to focus on the how should we practice them, why it matters for your marriage. So let me start by answering the question, what are the spiritual disciplines? And answer that by what they are not. Okay, real quickly. It's hard to read. I apologize about that. But let me just tell you real quick what they're not. They're not external religious practices that measure our love for God. In other words, hey, if I read my Bible every day and try really hard to memorize scripture, that must mean I really love God. And that's the barometer for how much I love him. And if I don't read my Bible, I must not love him enough today. It's not what that is. The spiritual disciplines, they're not a spiritual to-do list of activities that will make God love us more. God didn't, because I pray today, God's not going, man, I love him so much more today. Okay? The spiritual disciplines, they're not a difficult, they're not difficult practices that are reserved for the spiritually mature or the well-educated or those who are on staff at Watermark. Nope. They're not legalistic exercises designed to make us feel guilty because we're not eating our broccoli. That's that's not what the spiritual disciplines are for. Real simply, here's what they are. They are the habits that help us 
grow spiritually. Okay? When we think of the spiritual disciplines, we shouldn't think, eat our broccoli. We should just simply think, hey, these are the means that God has given us so that we can grow in Christ-likeness. Theologians speak of two different types, the categorized disciplines. Okay, it's, it, we often think of, when I think of the disciplines, we, th- we intuitively think, we go, okay, Bible study, prayer, fellowship. That's true. Okay? But, but disciplines that are often aren't thought of very much, okay, we, we categorize these dis- disciplines of abstinence, okay, where we're doing without something, is like um, solitude, silence. When we choose, it's a discipline, right? It is a discipline to mark our calendars, reserve the calendar, block it out, and go, hey, I'm going to retreat. I'm going to go be alone with God. That's a discipline. Fasting, secrecy, meaning that, hey, we're going to abstain from bringing attention to ourselves in order to serve others, okay? Uh, frugality and sacrifice, those are, all, those are all spiritual disciplines. The ones we commonly think of is like Bible reading, worship, service, prayer, Fellowship, those are all disciplines of engagement. Those are the spiritual disciplines. They're all means simply to help us grow. But why do we practice these? I want to say it again and again. Okay, why do we practice them? In order to grow in Christ's likeness. They are the means, they are not the end. They are the means, they're not the end. I have a friend who is an incredible pianist. I mean, this, this guy can sit down, you can name the song, he can start playing it. He can hear a song on the radio, he can hear uh, a, a, you know, a really difficult uh, piece, and he can sit there and go, okay, okay, and, and he can start playing. It's just amazing. And no matter how hard I try, if you came up to me and said, hey, Blake, I'll give you a million dollars if you could play like that. And I just go up there, and I, let's just say I go at it, and I try really, really hard to play the piano just like Trey. You would, you would hear me, and you'd go, hey, man, you might as well give up. And, and the reason why I, I tell you about the piano is I want you to understand there's a difference between training and trying. You see, I want to be able to hit the free throw with the clock running out. I want to hit the three-point shot. I want to play the piano. I want a marriage that's awesome. I want kids who respect me. I want to work in a place where my friends are, are happy I'm there. I want all those things. I sometimes try at them. I want to get stronger. I want to be in better shape. The difference is I don't often train. I don't often train. And I think a lot of us try hard. We try hard. We'll go up and we'll hit the piano keys. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you're trying. Without discipline, without training, we're not able to hit that three-point shot. And then we wonder, hey, why, why is that? Why is that? I'm trying hard. Because we don't understand the value of the spiritual disciplines. And it takes time and effort. And so how do we practice the spiritual disciplines of of prayer and Bible study, fellowship, and all those things? Uh, Is we practice it, one, we practice them 
wisely. And we recognize that one size does not fit all. Okay, my wife, the way in which when she reads the Bible, where she reads the Bible, what she reads, completely different from me. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm such a type A, uptight, okay, uh, uh, narrow-minded guy. I'll wake up, first thing in the morning, looks like this, check, 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 right? And that is not my wife. And I'm always so refreshed by her insights and what she learns. And it's not one size fits all. And you may practice the spiritual disciplines differently than your spouse. You practice the spiritual disciplines continually. They're not separated from our everyday routine. It's not just something you do during the day. It's something you practice all day. And you practice them patiently, recognizing godliness is a lifelong pursuit. Understand that? We practice them patiently. I've got to recognize that my wife may be in a different spot than I am spiritually. I may not be in the same place she is. And she's got to extend me grace and I've got to extend her grace. So pragmatically, what does all that look like in my family? And this is where I would just want to offer you a way to think about it. And this is where I, John and others said to me, hey, spend some time talking about what does that look like in the Holmes family? One, let me just tell you, it doesn't always look like I want it to. <laughs> I don't always practice the spiritual disciplines, lead well, model well, encourage my family to practice spiritual disciplines like I want to. But here are some things that we do do that are fun. And I want to remove some of the mystery and maybe some of the burden of what the spiritual disciplines are so that you in your marriage and in your family, you can go, I can do that. That doesn't seem so overwhelming. And the more you do it, when you experience conflict, when you experience challenges, a poor prognosis, okay, trying to care for your parents, Discipline your kids, fill in the blank. You respond in a biblical way because you've trained and you've taken the time to train and not simply try. So here's what we do in our family. Join the journey. You could all do this. Go to jointhejourney.com. You sign up, you receive a little devotional every day. You don't even have to read the devotional every day. But you'll follow along with the rest of our church in a short little reading plan as we make our way through Scripture. So what does this look like in our family with four kids, okay, all the way from second grade all the way to a freshman in high school when you're really busy? My wife does a great job. She just takes that little app that we have to join the journey, and she hits play. And I take our oldest to school. She takes the three others to school. And our three younger kids, they all listen to it with her. It doesn't take any time. And then she just simply asked the question, hey, what do you think that means? What did you hear? What was surprising to you? And they have a conversation about what God's word has to say. And that's a daily way in which they just listen to the Bible. You don't have to be, you don't have to graduate from seminary. You don't have to understand the book of Revelation. That's just simply saying, hey, what do you think that means? In a creative way that doesn't take up a lot of time. Secondly, make, we try to make prayer a normal part of our everyday life. It is not uncommon at all for my kid or my wife to come to me and say, hey, this is going on or this is hard. And I'll just simply say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? 
I don't want my kids to think that prayer is only reserved for Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve or only when we eat a meal and then we say the same prayer. God is good. God is great. Let us thank you for our food. Amen. It's not what I want to do. I want my kids to understand that prayer is simply communication with God. And you could do that anytime, anywhere. And I want them to understand that God invites us. He says, ask, seek, knock. And so I want it to be routine in my family to recognize that, hey, do you know God, the sovereign, omniscient, all-knowing, holy, good, righteous God invites you to have a relationship with him? At any point, you can just look at him, look at God and go, hey, God, can you help me with this? So you don't have to be spiritually mature to simply say, hey, do you mind if we pray about that? So we make prayer a normal part of everyday life. I try to engage with others and invite those we run in contact with. Hey, do you have a church home? You've heard JP maybe if you've been at Watermark. Hey, do you have a faith? And just try to reach out to folks. And I want my kids to recognize. I want my kids to see me engaging other people with what we believe and why. We celebrate uh, connections. And what I mean by that is we'll see something on TV, we'll see something in a movie, and I'll say, hey, what do you think the Bible has to say about that? And if one of my kids, or I'll think of, some, I'll see something, I'll go, hey, that reminds me of a Bible verse. Anybody know what this verse says? Okay, and if they get it, just in our family, just with us, I say it pays to know your Bible. And so one of my kids, they might go, yeah, that's in uh, that's uh, the story of Nicodemus when he comes to Jesus at night. Like, perfect. That's a dollar. And I hand a dollar. <laughs> and I said, pays to know your Bible. And then all my kids are like, oh, man, I should have had that. I knew I could have get that. Right? And what it does, it just makes it fun. It just makes it fun. And the next, I might ask later on that afternoon, just so everybody can have an opportunity. Hey, do you remember what I said? Nicodemus. Where's that found? John 3. Perfect. Dollar. And it just reinforces, hey, that's where we go. That's where we answer questions. We find opportunities to serve together. I try to be creative in that. Not just the obligatory, hey, let's go paint a house. But I invite my kids. Hey, what do you think we should do to help these friends of ours? We create margin for what we think is important. Our kids are involved in small group. That sometimes means we say no to homework. Yep. means we say no to homework. Sometimes means we say no to sports schedules because we feel like that's a value. And then we try hard to make it personal. And <clears throat> again, because one size doesn't fit all. So if my daughter is struggling with a, something specific at school, I might say, hey, <clears throat> would you like to read this book with me? Or can we meet and go grab uh, breakfast before I drop you off at school? So all this to say, gang, is this. I think God wants to bless you. I think he wants you to know him. I think he wants you to grow in your understanding of his word. I think he wants your marriage to be better than you ever thought it could be. But a great marriage, a close relationship with the Lord, and a good basketball player doesn't happen by accident. You've got to train. And God has given us a means to do that. And they're not burdensome. And they're not overcomplicated. And it's not like eating broccoli. You could follow simple things like that and just invite your family in. And day after day, day after day, shot after shot, shot after shot, playing the piano, you actually start hitting them. And then your son looks at you and goes, thanks. Or your wife looks at you and goes, that blessed me. And I think that's what we want to hear. Let me pray for us.
Lord, thanks for uh, just the opportunity to be with friends who seek to want to know how they can honor you in their marriage. And uh, thank you for a ministry like Reengage, Lord. Um, for every leader in here, for every participant, uh, for every person who walked in tonight for the very first time and took that step of faith. Thanks. In Christ's name.